Hello, everyone. We're glad you could join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And our subject today is sacrament. And we will begin with our morning prayer. I'm reading from pages 143 and 222 in the Blue Book, Divinity Divinity Course and General Collectania. We are bidden as members of this church to partake of the silent sacrament, to come to this table of his preparing with thanksgiving. To us is spoken the command, my child, give me thy heart, while it is ours to answer, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. We are called to lay ourselves daily, hourly, upon the altar of self-sacrifice, of utter dependence upon God, glorying in each awful trial, rejoicing, in each drought from that cup which fits us to become participants with Jesus of his martyrdom and victory. This power is given us in the same extent as we entertain the sense of the spirit which enriched him. And we come into the fullness of demonstration as we have the same mind which was in Christ Jesus. Abide in the 91st Psalm and know that such abiding is treatment and protection. Mary Baker Eddy. Very beautiful. Thank you, Florence. All right, our watching point. Watch number 69. Watch lest you believe your problems or those of others are personal. There is no such thing as a personal problem or error. The rain is never personal, although it may come into your house through a leak. In Luke 22:10, the master gives the rule to antidote the belief that one has a personal problem. We are to follow the man with the pitcher who will lead us to the large upper room where we will find the Passover or communion with God. The picture is symbolic of the need to pour out to all humanity the river of water of life in order to give them a cup of cold water in Christ's name. This is accomplished through the effort to see all mankind as already being God's children, hence already being in this upper room of God, or in perfect oneness with him. Through such demonstration, whatever personal problem one may seem to have will be swallowed up in universal love. Thank you. Okay, comments on that. Well, we are told here many times that when we work for others, when we work for the world, and uh, get our thought off of ourselves and our so-called singing problems, um, we are blessed when we do that. For, and um, <coughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yes, that beautiful story of Carpenter at Mrs. Eddy's. Home and Pleasant View. He was concerned what would happen if he woke up not feeling well, and one time he did. And when he began to pray impersonally for everyone, he was healed. And this is the basis of alertness to duty, that you handle these aggressive suggestions that would make you forget or neglect your duty to God, your leader, and to mankind. If you can impersonalize every problem you have and see it as an attack, an attempt 
to get you to forget or neglect your duty to God, your leader, and to mankind, I tell you, you'll have a victory. If you think you're struggling with some personal problem, you will not. And the more you focus on the problem, the bigger the problem will get. This has been the key to the success in Plainfield, if you want to call it that. Those who are willing to see this and demonstrate it, it was what got me out of innumerable problems. I just see it as an attack on the work. And it's not going to happen, make me forget or neglect what I have to do. And that'll get you out of the bed <laughs> quickly. <laughs> Someone, um, Shirley in Iowa, she sent me this beautiful poem. She wasn't sure where she got it from. I don't think it came from us. She wondered. That's anonymous, but it's this. You cannot say the Lord's Prayer and even once say I. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say my. Nor can you pray the Lord's Prayer and not pray for another. For when you ask for daily bread, you must include your brother. For others are included in each and every plea, from the beginning to the end of it. It does not once say me. (laughs) (laughs) And how that is, you can go through it. Everything is us, our, nothing is me, mine, and I. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. And and teach us to pray. I mean, it's kind of like a duh, but <laughs> it's easily not to, you can easily not notice that. So remember this. It's it'll bring you great victory. But of course, you have to feel motivated that you're doing something for God in the first place. <clears throat> if you don't have any other thing to do, but think about your own life and your own problems. Well, as I've said that my definition of hell. So um, hang on to something bigger than that, please. Good, good, good lesson in, in what, is, what is a righteous prayer as opposed to an unrighteous prayer. Yes. And when you are praying for the world, it's such a great feeling when you, you just you just totally forget about yourself. You just it's it's just God takes over and um it's just a wonderful place to be in. Yes. It certainly is. Now this No, please go ahead. No, the fact that these problems, you know, it's the same everywhere. You hear it here, you hear it in Africa, you hear it in India, whatever shows that it's not personal. That's what makes me feel, okay, this is, it's a world belief coming to you, but it sounds as if, or it comes as though it's your problem, but it's certainly not. No. You're always only handling belief, which is thinking something without having understanding, like you would believe two plus two is five, when it isn't. You're under a delusion. It's not true. Thank you. So, yes, to impersonalize is so very important. Whatever the trouble, don't think it's yours. It's not. And this was something I've given before, but Anne from England had sent, or Mrs. Eddy wrote to a student, Yes, dear, one begin at home, as you said, but labor for your own sanctification, spirituality, health, holiness. I find that in proportion as I do this for myself, the whole world feels it. That is why I greatly desire some more time to give to this self-purification. So, again, this doesn't mean that you don't work for yourself, because a lot of people never work for themselves at all. (laughs) And and that's not good either. You have to drink in great drafts of love, as Mrs. Eddy says. You've got to work for yourself. But... In doing that, you work for everyone as well. And and that and this is the difference between giving of your inspiration, your light, versus giving of your oil. Because if you don't work for yourself, 
and you start taking on a personal sense of responsibility for everybody else and give of your oil. Thank you. You, you drain yourself of the resource you need to be able to continue to help everybody. Thank you. The lamp will not burn when your oil is gone. That's absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So all of these lessons, they're, they're little innuendos, so to speak. You've got to be just right on the mark with them. Um, and that's where so many scientists have gotten off with. They take something and they run with it without the real understanding behind it got to be a combination of many things working in your life and it's not hard it's it's harder not to and what makes it not hard is when you turn to the father for everything yeah but it's it's like anything else you have to practice it right to be good at it and even jesus went up to the mountain so most definitely, and spent many days up in the mountain taking in the truth. Then he was able to come down and heal the multitudes. Yeah. And I just wanted mm -hmm. to, as far as the, that thought of having personal problems, I, when I read it, I remembered Florence saying, what makes you so special? <laughs> good one. Yep, good. So we have a, a very beautiful lesson on sacrament. And as many of you noticed, it's full of heart, giving your heart to God. And that's really it over and over. It's you can't be half hearted. You can't. Um, you have to have a clean heart, a pure heart, a contrite heart. All of these things. Um, in one of the articles that Carrie sent me, Ella Hogue has written some things about heart and sanctification. We have an article on our website called The Door of Self-Abnegation by Ella Hogue, which is a good one. Um, people thinking that's a negative subject, for they have often felt it implied giving up something desirable. Comparatively, few have understood its positive side. Few have glimpsed that it is the open door to gaining all of reality. To the student of Christian science, there's no subject that demands more earnest consideration since the human consciousness must have self-abnegation before it can win good. It cannot realize good until it is let go of error. The student must therefore awaken to that necessity necessary understanding of self-abnegation, which will enable him to demonstrate his way out of evil into the consciousness of all good. The whole article is wonderful, and you should study it. But then also in another article, she writes, and this one is called God Looks on the Heart. And this goes with our golden text. Jeremy. First Samuel, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Thank you. So she writes, the Bible uses the term heart to symbolize the receptacle for all one's inmost feelings, be they good, bad, or indifferent. It talks of all sorts of hearts, of willing, glad, pure, upright, perfect hearts, and also of wicked, slow, perverse, proud, forward hearts. Jesus said definitely that out of the heart proceed the things which defile. And then it is evident that hearts must needs be purified and made holy if men are to have true hearts. If they are to express those qualities which make for goodness and greatness, for health and helpfulness, and how can this be done except as God looks in upon the heart and lays bare its inmost recesses? It is therefore absolutely necessary that all human hearts be searched. Each must have the secrets of his heart revealed to him in order that he may relinquish all that is false 
and win the truth. Now, as we talk about this, this is the answer, you know, to heart conditions, right? Yeah. The Bible, the answer to it all, it's all here. If you're harboring those, the list of things that weren't so good in your heart, well, no wonder <laughs> you have a heart, so-called heart problem. Are you, have you given your whole heart to God? Do you know that your heart beats for God? Do you honestly examine what is in your heart? And honestly is key because we try to hide what's in our heart with a superficial being so good, or as we like to say, nice. Nice hides a multitude of sins. <laughs> Whited sepulcher. Whited sepulcher. So examine your heart and then this, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts from the responsive reading. I've always loved that. And we were taught here years ago, you know, when you bring truth because you think you have a problem in your inward part, right? You've got some organ problem, <laughs> some organs acting up. Okay, you want the truth to go into the inward parts, don't you? That's why you must be willing to let yourself be examined and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's like a big searchlight. It's in a big searchlight looking, looking, looking. And sometimes, you know, the most, and I think somewhere Mrs. Eddy says this, the insidious, so-called insidious diseases are, are those that have been hidden deep within. They have to come to the light. The light heals. So never be f afraid of that searchlight of truth. And I'm going to have, I guess I'll have Gary read this. I, I give this out often. And it's in questions and answers in miscellaneous writings. Um, and it's one you all should know. And I can always tell where a person is. I've said this. If I give this assignment out to read this, and the next day no one, the person that I give it to doesn't mention it, it has made no impression. <laughs> because when I read this, I thought, wow. You could not, you could not in your right mind not acknowledge it and express gratitude for what Mrs. Eddy has given us in this. So, question, do you believe in a change of heart? Answer, <clears throat> we do believe and understand, which is more, that there must be a change from human affections, desires, and aims to the divine standard, quote, be ye therefore perfect, end quote. Also, that there must be a change from the belief that the heart is matter and sustains life to the understanding that God is our life, that we exist in mind, live thereby, and have being. This change of heart would deliver man from heart disease and advance Christianity a hundredfold. The human affections need to be changed from self to benevolence and love for God and man, changed to having but one God and loving him supremely and helping our brother man. This change of heart is essential to Christianity and will have its effect physically as well as spiritually, healing disease. Burnt offerings and drugs, God does not require. You see how very, very, very important this is. Not only for yourself, but as the watching point brought out, for Christianity, for all mankind. As you spiritualize your sense of yourself, of your heart. And others. And, and others. Guess what? 
we will bring in the millennium, which is what this lesson ends with. So all of this in the lesson, purifying your heart, having the right sense of yourself and others, this is what it will bring in the millennium. And what else do we have to do? Or what else should we be doing? So, yes, it starts individually, but then it blesses. So it is so hugely important. And, and also you're getting rid of this sense that matter is your life. Oh, my God, if anything happens to my heart, well, I'm going to croak. <laughs> croak, croak, croak. Okay, let's all croak. <laughs> Just how ridiculous. Nobody ever croaks. There's no such thing as death. And as we spiritualize our life and who and what it is, and that it is not dependent on any organ, there's a freedom that's unspeakable, truly. And that's why you have to be so careful of the little foxes that spoil the vine, all these wristwatches, you know, they're supposed to take your, I don't even know what they take, but. They tell <laughs> you how bad you're doing. How much you sleep, how much you wake, how much this, how much that. So let's all think about how we are in matter all the time. And then you wonder why you have problems. No. Or you hear about people who did everything like running, eating well, and this and that, and then they were gone. So absolutely it shows you it's not. It's not in that. It's not in matter. It's not in matter. What's the matter with matter? Yes. Um, In The Chosen, when Mary fell off, Mary Magdalene, and came back, she was, they went to get her, she was so ashamed. And what does Jesus say to her? You're never going to make a mistake? And guess what? He didn't say guess what. <laughs> God wants your heart. Yeah. That's what he told he us. The heart. It was very beautiful. She was okay. Because we can all do that. Everybody. Everybody everywhere. Is there anyone anyone can think of that that's not possible to? And in one of the articles that uh, Harry sent about the, the good man and his riches, it brings out the fact that the problem with that was that he thought his riches were what was important. <laughs> rather than your spiritual riches. Now, you can say, well, some people have more matter riches than others, but no one is deprived of spiritual riches, are they? No. No. No, no. No. We put up a a beautiful, it was a YouTube short, right, um, recently. Noteworthy news. Yeah, noteworthy news. It was about this homeless man. Um, and someone approached him, and and he was willing to give his last few cents to help this man that approached him. And when when he did that, the man who had approached him gave him what five hundred dollars. And he said it was because because he was willing to give his last penny to help this guy. And the, and the man, you know, he, he just started to cry. And he said that he had been standing behind this. It was a Christmas tree. He'd been standing behind the Christmas tree. Um, praying for a miracle. Yeah, praying for a miracle. Mm-hmm. And then that happened. And I, I've, I've subscribed down to these shorts because these this happens a lot. These people, these good Samaritans are going around helping Homeless, and and another one I saw where the guy, because he had had a blessing to the, I guess this man had given him money, and he was so blessed. And this YouTube had gone viral. This man now works for thirteen Dunkin' Donuts. Um, he washes the windows, and he said, "I I am I am a new man. I am so happy." <laughs> I, and some of these places give me their key. I go at night. I wash the windows. So in the morning, the windows are sparkling clean. And he said, it's all because of you guys who you believed in me. I mean, these things make me cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you feel mm-hmm. the need to cry, go look at the nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, because 
And this is how close these people are to finding their true self in their lives and how grateful they are and what compassion they have for others because they haven't had anything. So they're willing to give their last dime up to help somebody. This is millennium. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's God in action. It is God in action. It It is. And this is... You know, if you've done it to one of these little ones, you've done it to me. So, Jeremy? No? No, I didn't. Okay, so just be aware. And, of course, you don't go around throwing money every which way. But be aware. God will tell you when there's someone there right on the brink of, of being saved. And those we can help. And then I I read, too, I I think it was in the 12 years with Mary Baker Eddy, all the money that she gave to charity. A lot. A lot. And she helped her own town, her own state. She was so, so loved New Hampshire. So. Even just to the cause, because she didn't take, she didn't have a salary or anything. That's right. It was just her books that she had money from. That's right. She gave to the cause. Yeah. And in, in doing that, she became very wealthy, right? But where was her treasure? Her treasures were in the things of God, and she was willing to go without for a long period of time, never questioning. So let God search your heart. Let it go in the inward parts. This was another article about the inward parts. It said... Thou desirest truth in the inward parts, wrote the psalmist. Self-deception is the worst of falsehoods. To cherish delusions, to think or to feel dishonestly, to bar truth from word and deed. Above all things, we must cherish truth in the secret realm of thought and feeling. To truth it, to speak it and do it, to think it and feel it true and feel truly is the basis of happy and serviceable life. But we must truth it in love. For truth apart from love is always an unknowable abstraction. (laughs) And they do, right? They go hand in hand quite a lot in in Mrs. Eddy's writings, truth and love, love and truth. Because love is the truth. Yes. Hatred is not the truth. Mm Yes, thank you. I like Mrs. Eddy. She lifts up the, the golden rule, which when people don't need to know very much more than that to start. And she says Christian science will you know, constitute the brotherhood. Yes. And just, yeah. So people just judge, you know, <laughs> the next action about what they want somebody to do to them. I think we'd all be much happier. There's no way you can be happy if you don't love your brother as yourself. Impossible. So forget about it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You don't, because it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you, Craig. It's just, you know, you, you can go ahead and not love your brother as yourself, but you're not going to be happy. And you'll probably pay a lot of penalties eventually, not right away. You can't do it. You're disobeying God. So let this light of truth search you, go into your inward parts, and heal whatever is bitter or unloving or jealous let that truth heal it. And don't be such in such a hurry that you don't do this. That's why I think it's why a lot of people rush through life. They're running, 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 because they don't want to face themselves. They don't want to look within. They don't want to take the time to do this. And you have to. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Go ahead, run, 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 run. And you will be running forever. Well, Miss Eddie says, whatever begins rightly ends rightly. 
So yes, not doing that beginning right. <laughs> yes, and it is also it's a lie to think that you don't have time to do it. You you have time to do everything you want to do. You have plenty of time. All the time you're thinking rotten thoughts. <laughs> Change that time to thinking the, the enduring, the good, and the true, as Mrs. Eddy says. And sometimes this takes a while because your thought has been undisciplined and it's not used to being disciplined and it might rebel. But you've got to, that's why you've got to smack it down. That's why you've got to be strong in the, in the Lord and in the truth until you conquer it, uh, wrestling like mm. Jacob did. And if your consciousness is filled with garbage, you know, it might take a while to root out all the garbage with but, the truth. Yes. But what else is there to do? Nothing. You got to start somewhere. You got to start someday. And why not now? Why not now? And all of this, this is the true sacrifice, the true communion. I mean, sometimes I think, oh, my gosh, I think of all those poor animals that were sacrificed needlessly. <laughs> well, that's the picture. So, But, yes, this is the sacrifice that God requires. And this is what will bring in the millennium. I mean, that's so exciting. It's wonderful. And it is bringing in the millennium. In the millennium. We'll read more about the millennium in a little bit. But right now, what did you have, Shardell? Oh, okay. About it's from um, our our it's from the lesson Jeremiah twenty nine, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall seek for me with all your heart. And then I I started searching around and I found a post by one of our members, and she got it from something from Gill's exposition, which I thought was interesting. When ye shall search for me with your whole, with your heart, which does not design perfection, but integrity and sincerity. When they draw nigh with a true heart and call upon him in truth and search for him with eagerness, with a hearty desire, like that, a hearty desire to find him as men search for gold and silver and hid treasures. That's skill. <laughs> Thank you. And the rest mm -hmm. of it, you know, we all read it. It's a beautiful, the, all the citations, for I know the thoughts, I think. Then you shall call upon me, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. Thank you. Yes. And this describes the whole heart. It's more important to you than, you know, your ambitions, your human ambitions, whatever they are. This is what you desire the most. So search your heart. Find out where you are, who you are, what's important to you. Are your spiritual treasures the most important? If not, like the uh, rich man, he went away sad because <laughs> that's what was important to him. Because he thought he would lose out. He thought he would lose out. No, and it was a test. Jesus was testing him. And he did everything he was supposed to do. What say? Yeah, yes, yes. He was. He'd been taught all those things. And he followed the letter, but there was a little spirit missing. Where was his heart? Where was his heart? And that's why you know, and you see it in the chosen, where Jesus would, would ask, "Follow me." And, and that is what it requires. You know, what required to, our church to be able to go through that lawsuit, law case, and win it were a group of people who was willing to drop everything, move to Plainfield, and do this work. That's what it took. I mean, I'm, I'm not bragging or anything. It's just saying that this is sometimes what it takes. Well, it's clear to see looking back. Even for me, I wasn't there. but. <clears throat> You see the difference between previous people who had been excommunicated. They did not have that group around them, so there was no independent church. Then Mrs. Evans came along and also had that group, and then there was an independent church. So 
So it all goes together. She made requirements. She made demands. And why shouldn't she? When, when you know, people were being healed of all these things, and yet they're just going to go off and skip on their merry way. So, my friends, this is, this is what makes the difference between a science that works and heals and will bring in the millennium and that that's just superficial and pleasant and, and will not. Okay, Karen. Okay, I took uh, Psalms 86. Uh, the verse was, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. And I looked up um, in the commentary and found in Barnes Notes, um, I like this, is what he said. Teach me thy way, O Lord. That is in the present emergency. Show me what thou wouldst have me to do, that I may obtain thy favor and thy gracious help. I will walk in thy truth. I will live and act in accordance with what thou dost declare to be true. Whatever that may be, I will pursue it, having no will of my own. And this was my favorite part. Unite my heart to fear thy name. That is to worship, obey, and honor thee. The end which he desired to secure was that he might truly fear God or properly reverence and honor him. The means which he saw to be necessary for this was that his heart might be united in this one great object. That is, that his heart might be single in its views and purposes, that there might be no distracting purposes, that one great aim might be always before him. The idea is that of union or conjunction of being together, of constituting one. And this is accomplished in the heart when there is one great ruling object before the mind, which nothing is allowed to interfere with. It may be added that there is no more appropriate prayer which a man can offer than that his heart may have such a unity of purpose and that nothing may be allowed to interfere with that one supreme purpose. It's beautiful. Thank you. That's And that's demonstrating your at-oneness with God, <clears throat> this giving your heart. If you've found it hard to have your oneness with the Father, you know, you can't be divided. It's got to give it all. And it is certainly what Christ Jesus did and Mary Baker Eddy. And every other person that truly benefited mankind yeah had this had this same you know had the same heart same desire that's why people I, who oh. think that they know the truth and that it's personal will always fail mm -hmm. and I guess the one also it reminds me and all of us that we should not let anything interfere or distract us. And, and I, when I came here, it's not like I'm not still having to work about it, but there was so much interference um, when I would try to pray or try to, I, I just, my thought would just go in all kinds of directions. And, then if, and it's so much better now since coming here and learning how to control my thinking. But um, it would always you know, there was just that temptation to always, especially when I was getting so much inspiration and really hearing, and then something would happen or a thought would, and I go, wow, come back here. Where are you, where are you going? <laughs> and so I, I've just been working with Unite My Heart. I just love that idea. It's been helping me. Yeah, thank you. That's often the way. That's one of the benefits of, of watching. You have to learn to Bring your thought back because it will drift. Or even at a church service when we're supposed to be praying and working. Well, and, and, and that kind of opposition has come to all of us. <laughs> yeah, big time to everybody. B big sure. time. Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, it, not a personal problem. Not a personal problem. <laughs> it, it'll come to anybody. It'll come to anybody who's worth anything, into the cause. And so, if if you're if you're not feeling the opposition to your work, you might want to look at whether you're really serious about your work. And I'm I mean this because Mrs. Evans told us when. When we were excommunicated and we started, we realized we had to write our own lessons, for example, because the lessons that Boston put out was putting people to sleep or making them sick. She would write, she would sit down and write a lesson and she said that the room would spin. It was like she couldn't grab a hold of anything and, and she had to work at it before she could feel the connection with God again and actually write a lesson. So this kind of opposition will come to anybody who's worth something. And it's a, it, it, we call it the ring of fire. You have, to, you have to work at it, establish your connection, and then keep it. And if you can do that, you will be worth, you will, you'll be worth a lot to this cause. Yeah, you set your face like a flint to Jerusalem. And this, too, it shows you, you know, what seed, are you the good seed or not, <laughs> or something just going to take you off, or even after a while when maybe things don't, aren't going your way, are you still going to do it for the love of God and, and cause, not for any personal reward, but because you love God. It has to always be that. I think that was one thing, you know, Tony told me this week, reading the three, the trilogy of the books, Mrs. Eddy's life changed his life. See, she did, did she have a path of roses? She did not. She could have quit any moment. She did not. But she loved. Well, I was, I've been waiting for a time to break in. I, I, since my name has been called, I think this is it. Um, we have no idea what Mrs. Eddy really went through. Um, and we have some idea of the resistance that she went through, but it's in the Greco books. You really should read, I don't know what, it's around the founding of the church, of the first church, of everything she had to go through to get that first church built and erected. It's, it's unbelievable. And I've read, I've, I've found other quotes as well of people who commented on what she went through. So she's paved the way for us. You know, but we we have a responsibility now to carry to carry on what she has started and what what Jesus has started. Yes. Right, and if we have a love for the truth more than anything else, we'll be able to do something useful. We we really will. If all who ever partook of the sacrament had really commemorated the sufferings of Jesus and drunk of his cup, they would have revolutionized the world. If all who seek his commemoration through material symbols will take up the cross, heal the sick, cast out evils, and preach Christ or truth to the poor, the receptive thought, they will bring in the millennium. Mary Baker Eddy. <laughs> Hey, Nancy. Yes, um, I wrote about Matthew. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And from Barnes' notes on the Bible, think not that I am come. Our Savior was just entering on his work. It was important for him to state what he came to do. By his setting up to be a teacher in opposition to the scribes and Pharisees, some might charge him with an intention to destroy their law and to abolish the customs of the nation. He therefore told them that he did not come for that end, but really to fulfill or accomplish what was in the law and the prophets. And I loved how he broke uh, um, these definitions out. To destroy, to abrogate, which means to abolish, to deny their divine authority 
to set people free from the obligation to obey them. And the law is the five books of Moses. Moses is called the law. The prophets are the books which were the, that the prophets wrote. And these two divisions seem to comp- comprehend the Old Testament. And Jesus says that he came not to do away or destroy the authority of the Old Testament, but to fulfill, to complete the design, to fill up with what was predicted, to accomplish what was intended in them. The word fulfill also means to teach or to inculcate. In Colossians, the law of Moses maintained many sacrifices and rites, which were designed to shadow forth the Messiah, These were fulfilled when he came and offered himself a sacrifice to God. And I liked what Mrs. Eddy says in miscellaneous writings. Jesus said, I come not to destroy the law. The divine requirements typified in the laws of Moses to fulfill it in righteousness by truth's destroying era. No greater type of divine love and be presented and affecting so glorious a purpose. Mm-hmm. This, sac- this spirit of sacrifice always has saved and still saves mankind. But by mankind, I mean mortals or a kind of man- men after man's own making. For man, as God's idea, is already saved with an everlasting salvation. Very beautiful. Thank you. And bring it round to the fulfillment of the law, giving our hearts, purifying ourselves, working unselfishly. And all of you, if you're not, should know this Martha Wilcox chapter, The Millennium, The Greater Works. She writes, the fulfillment of prophecy always seems remote, just as it did in the days of the coming of Jesus. But if we had eyes to see we would perceive that the fulfillment of prophecy is but the appearing in consciousness of that which is already in existence. The millennium is appearing now and will appear in its full significance at the time when that prophecy is fixed for its appearing. The millennium will appear just as Christ Jesus appeared at the time prophesied and as the revelation of Christian science appeared at the time of the fulfillment of prophecy. And what is that millennium? It's a period of a thousand years during which time holiness is to be triumphant throughout the world. It is a period of great happiness, good government, and freedom from wickedness. Some people believe during this period Christ will reign on earth again. Well, so if you think this work is hard, think about what will happen if we don't do it. (laughs) Think it will be easier if the world blows up. This isn't hard. This is this is what we should be doing because it's the right thing to do. As as Tony said, look what Mrs. Eddie did. She paved the way for us, and we're not going to walk in that path. We're not going to be willing to do this. Um, and this whole chapter is most important that you study it, and it it um, because it applies to right now and right here. And then it says Mrs. Eddy and Mr. Kimball and others who taught in the college classes to instruct those who were to be sent out into the field to teach taught that anything that exists is never to be destroyed but fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven here on earth now, not some future time. Now we have to have the eyes to see it and we can only see it as we are pure in heart. And Mrs. Eddy, in questions and answers in miscellany, says, The millennium is a state and stage of mental advancement going on since ever time was. Its impetus, accelerated by the advent of Christian science, is marked and will increase till all men shall know him, divine love, from the least to the greatest. And one God and the brotherhood of man shall be known and acknowledged throughout the earth. We will end now on a beautiful article, which sort of sums up a lot of this. It's called The True Sense of Love by Emma 
Harris Jameson. <clears throat> she writes, I shall never forget the first and only time I ever saw Mrs. Eddy. It was at Concord in front of the church there a few years ago. Three times her carriage passed by. The first time she was wondrously quiet. There was even a look of sadness on her face. The second time her face lighted up with a smile as here and there she recognized one in the throng of her followers who were waiting to see her. The third time she leaned forward in the carriage and looked out the window and bowed with smiles. But when she got to where I was, her face was turned in the opposite direction, and I thought I should not see her again. When, as she was almost by, she turned and bowed with a sweet and loving light upon her face that seemed to say, I love you all. This thought was with me for many days afterwards, and whenever I think of her now, it is always in connection with the thought of infinite love as she reflected it that day. Our leader's heart is so full of love that it expresses itself in her face. And when I hear any criticism of her, it makes me smile to myself, for I think if they could only see that loving face and feel the inspiration of her presence, they too would love her. Divine love can never be anything less than pure and holy, no matter what the mortal belief may be. It is for us to respond more fully to the divine influence that we may live in the fullest sense. If one has a plant that is not catching the sun's rays, he need not expect the sun to change its course in order to shine upon the plant, but he can change the position of the plant so that it can drink in the sunshine and blossom out in beauty and strength. Divine love is to poor suffering humanity what the sunshine is to the earth, and all must come to see this. We who name the name of Christ in Christian science are called upon to show to others the power of love. And Mrs. Eddy has set us the example by the life she lives and the love she radiates. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Mary, Thank you. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very Thank you much. much. Thank you.